This is a story of sorts, the podcast mostly about bookish stuff. Hello everyone, Karina here. On this episode, I chat with Crystal Maldonado about her debut young adult book, Fat Chance Charlie Vega, about fat fashion and Crystal's love for Beyonce. Have a listen. Thank you, Crystal, for accepting to be on the podcast. Welcome to Story of Swords. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Karina. (laughs) Would you like to talk a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I'm Crystal Maldonado. I am the author of Fat Chance Charlie Vega, which is my debut young adult novel. I do apologize. I have a little bit of a cold today, so (laughs) I sound a little off, but I'm so excited to be here and just to chat with you. And so I live in Western Massachusetts in the United States. I have a day job where I work in social media marketing. I live here with my husband and our cute toddler, and we've got a cute dog too. And I write, you know, at night whenever I can. (laughs) Let me just say that I really love your background. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really love it. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to make a print screen. Is that okay? Just to yeah, show people totally because funny. it's so cute. Okay, <laughs> let me just do that. Let me see if I, don't, uh, if, I, if I can hit the right button. So, ready? Yes. There you go. Because it's such a cute <laughs> background. I would love to, to show people that. It's yeah, really I've got photo-worthy. so many Charlies. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the cover is really beautiful. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit more about, uh, about Fat Chance Charlie Vega. Yeah, so this is a young adult book. It's about a 16-year-old fat Puerto Rican girl. And I like to say it's about her journey for love. So it's all kinds of love. So she is exploring love within her family. She's exploring love with her friends and like that friendship kind of love. She's looking for love. You know, she's got crushes and she really wants to fall in love. And she's also on a journey for self-love. So she's trying to figure herself out. She's trying to learn to love her body. She's getting comfortable with, you know, body positivity and the fat acceptance movement. So she's got kind of a lot going on. (laughs) Um, And the book itself came out on February 2 and explores all of those different themes. And yeah, it also talks a little bit about her love of books and her love of writing. And so there's a little bit of that in there if you're interested in books and things like that. So yeah. How did you come up with the title? Because such a nice title. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so the original title was not as cute as this title is. Oh, because this, I find it is just like, it's a bun. And it's, yeah. it just fits so well with the book. So t- tell us about it. Yeah, so I wanted to have a play on the word fat. So in the book, you know, Charlie does call herself fat. And that's how she describes herself. But, you know a lot of people are still uncomfortable using that word. And I know for me personally, I am fat, but it did take me a long time to start using that as the description for my body. And um, I feel like it's important to use that term uh, and sort of destigmatize it a little bit. Um, So I want it to be a term that's similar to just like thin or curvy or whatever else. I just want it to become this descriptor that describes what my body is and doesn't have any feelings attached to it or any emotions. So I wanted you to basically look at this book on the shelf and read the title and know exactly what you were getting into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it also, like you said, it is like a play on words and, you know, it kind of plays into Charlie starts out the book a little bit 
doubtful of herself and the whole idea. Like, I feel like she would say to herself, like, yeah, fat chance, like that, that won't happen, you know? (laughs) So it kind of plays into that. And um, yeah, so it ties into, you know, her body, her journey, the phrase, a little bit of a pun, because there are some funny moments in the book. So it kind of gives you like a little taste of what you're getting into. (laughs) Do you want to tell us what was the title before? Yeah, so the original title was, again, not as cute. It was going to be called Seconds. And so it was going to be a play on um, basically the idea of coming in second place or feeling like you you never are like someone's first pick. Mm-hmm. And then also the play on the idea of like, you know, you're eating and you go in for a second helping and that kind of thing. But it just wasn't as cute and playful as this new title. So I'm really glad we ended up changing it. And why Charlie? Did you know your character was going to be called Charlie from the beginning? I did. I don't know. I just love that name. So (laughs) I really love names that um, are both feminine and also like unisex. So her name Mm -hmm. in the book is Charlotte, but her nickname is Charlie. And Mm -hmm. I just love those kinds of names that have really, I don't know, gender neutral nicknames. So <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> That's very curious because we were thinking about getting a second cat here at home and yep. we were planning on or thinking about calling it Charlie. And it also, there's a, a band called the Milk Carton Kids and they do okay. have a song called Charlie. You know them? I do. <laughs> yeah. They, like one of the songs I like the most um, by them is Charlie. <laughs> oh my god how funny yeah I just think it's a great name so yeah. you should totally do that <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember when you came up with the idea to write about Charlie yeah so I had wanted to write like a basically like a fluffy rom-com type of story for a while and I really really wanted the story to feature a fat girl especially a fat Puerto Rican girl Um, So around like 2015, 2016, I personally was not in the greatest like mental health space. So a lot was happening in the US, the 2016 election happened. And that was a really pivotal moment in my life where I just was really down on kind of everything that was happening. I was really stressed out. And I wanted to kind of escape the real life that was around me and sort of take a break from everything. So writing had always been this thing that I turned to when I was going through a hard time. And so that was like the perfect time for me to just go into this fictional world and write about Mm -hmm. this fictional story. And even though the book itself does touch on some, you know, difficult topics. It talks about fat phobia. It talks about, you know, racism and discrimination. It talks about family issues. And so there are some really heavy themes. It still felt lighter to go into that world (laughs) than to sort of deal with what was happening in real life because there are so many light moments too, right? Like I got to relive the feelings of like first crushes and those like butterflies you get in your stomach when you're thinking about someone you like. So those were really nice, just escapes from, (laughs) from my everyday life. Yeah. I think, I think teenagers that read it like around 15, 16 and even older, I think they will see themselves a lot in Charlie because I saw my teenage self a lot in Charlie. Oh, that means a lot. Especially also in the romance side, not just the... (laughs) 
<laughs> insecurity aside and all. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I hope to capture was just like all of the feelings that you feel when you're a teenager. <laughs> How much like Charlie are you? That's such a good question. So I feel like we're definitely similar, like physically, right? So I gave her a lot of the traits that I have. So she has glasses. I have glasses. We're both Puerto Rican. We're both fat. Um, so we have those traits in mind because I felt like I could just speak so like authentically to living in the world as those things. And then she and I both love books. So I gave her my love of books and writing. Um, we love love. So Charlie is a really big dreamer and she like is pining for her big love. And that was totally me in high school. I just wanted to fall in love and like find somebody who would love me. Um, and we both love fashion a lot and we both love Beyonce. So we have a lot of similarities, but I would say Charlie is much more outspoken than I was at her age. So I was very, very quiet and very, very introverted and almost like afraid to speak up and to speak my mind. So I think that's why I did turn to books and writing so much because I felt like I had more freedom, like writing in a journal or writing a story. Um, and so I wanted to basically give Charlie the gift of being slightly more outspoken because I wished I had been when I was her age. And I feel like she figured herself out a lot sooner than I did. <laughs> so, you know, she comes to embrace her body. Um, you know, she's only, she's only 17 by the end of the book. And she really does put in the work and really start to love and appreciate herself. And I know for me personally, it took me a really long time to get there. So that was really why I wanted to write about that in this book was I it took me years and years and years to find, you know, fat positivity and body positivity and those terms and those ideas. And so I just thought, man, it would have been so nice to know about this when I was younger. So I really wanted to incorporate that in the book because it is for young people and hope that maybe it can help like open the doors for some folks who are trying to figure out how they feel about their bodies and like they want to just explore the idea of loving themselves and embracing themselves. So I really wanted that to be like a central part of what Charlie's story was. I think it does fit with uh, the times as well because I think kids are more open to those things and to learn more about those things, luckily. Yes, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> There is a very interesting, I mean, there are various interesting relationships in the story, but there is the mother and daughter relationship. So Charlie and her mother. And um, I really liked how you tackled it because it is a bit of a strange relationship. Mm -hmm. And I hope this is not exactly a spoiler, but you tried to not fix things too much where they can't be fixed without it being exactly a sort of them tearing apart, tearing each other apart story. And where does that inspiration to, to write the, that story came from? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so I, I mean, you nailed it. So I intentionally didn't want Charlie and her mom to have a perfect resolution to their relationship in the end. So again, it is a little spoilery, I guess, but, but it's, you know, I didn't, I went into the book knowing I wanted to explore this really complex mother-daughter relationship. Um, so 
And I didn't want them to have a big talk at the end where they both realize they were wrong and they go to therapy and everything is happy and, you know, they'll never have a fight again because I just didn't feel like that was realistic in every situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that happens. I do think there are people who, you know, with their mom or their family member or whoever, you know, they, they can have those frank conversations and they can go to therapy and they can get better, but I don't always think that's the case. And I know for me personally, that hasn't been the case with my own mom. So reading a lot and just consuming a lot of different kinds of media while I was growing up, I always saw that familial relationships, like, yes, they might experience some kind of strain or turbulence, but in the media I was consuming, they would always figure it out and everybody would get better and everyone Mm -hmm. would be happy. And so I feel like that made me think, oh, everyone always does what they need to do. They say they're sorry. They go to therapy and it's, and it's all better. And that's not necessarily true. So I spent a long time waiting for like things with my mom to magically get better and they never did. Mm -hmm. And I, so I feel like there's just, we have to make more room for the fact that sometimes families can be complicated and they don't necessarily always have your best interest at heart. So sometimes things are complex. We're all human, right? And so I wanted to pay tribute to basically people who are in situations like mine who may not get that happily ever after that they want to with their family um, and just basically make room for them and say, that's okay. You know, you just have to figure out your own boundaries and survive however you can. And it'll be okay. It'll be hard, but it'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have to be a perfect ending to be the perfect ending for the book and for that relationship. Yeah. I really yeah. liked it. Honestly, Thank it was you. very refreshing to see it and, and not just refreshing, but also very believable. Thank you. I was really striving for that is, you know, I do think, like I said, there can be situations where everything gets fixed through a talk, but I think more realistically, my experience has been, you're always working at it, you know, yeah. and so some days are better than others. Yeah. Do you have, without spoilers or without a lot of spoilers, a favorite scene in the book? This is always a question I like to ask because then you can also see what the author thought throughout the process of writing it. But of course, it always contains a little bit of spoilers. But I would really like to know. (laughs) So one of my favorite scenes is actually, and I'm omitting spoilers as much as I can, but it's Charlie's birthday party. So this comes, you know, towards the end of the book. Her and Brian have kind of a flirty relationship at this point. There's like some back and forth between them. And, you know, she's just in a very happy and hopeful place during that night. I just remember that feeling as a teen so well, just just being so excited and just like feeling like everything is going your way and just being like, so hopeful for what can come next. And I just love that feeling so much where you're like, my friends are here and my crush is here and who knows what could happen. And I just love that for Charlie, especially because of where she starts out in the book. And so that scene ends up being 
really special to me because I just feel like, you know what, Charlie, you deserve this. This is great. (laughs) If you could go back in time and give um, your teenage self a copy of the book, what would you write in the dedication page? Oh, wow. I feel like I would write, everything will be okay. (laughs) And it would be meaningful because if I know it's coming from me, I'll be like, okay, self, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Like whatever comes, it will be fine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What about your love for writing? How or when did you start writing? So I have loved writing for a really long time, um, but it wasn't until I was in maybe like late middle school, early high school that I started writing stories. So um, (laughs) I really loved boy bands at the time. So I grew up in the early 2000s when it was like, the Backstreet Boys and Insane and what all was your the- favorite? Sorry, I have I- to interrupt there because <laughs> there's love- always this battle. I know forever battle. I loved the Backstreet Boys personally, <laughs> <laughs> but I understand people who love Insync. Like I get it. I've listened to them and I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but so at the time, like my friends and I, we were just like boy band obsessed, and so we started writing these stories, like well, what if we met them at a concert and what would that look like? And so it was silly and it was a fun thing to do to write each other into these fake books, right? And these were the first fanfics, I have yes. the, the feeling, because I did that also with friends. Yes, and then exactly. later <laughs> later on, when I actually started writing fan fiction, but like already in my 20s, I kind of realized, oh, this is what we did without realizing what it was called. Exactly. We didn't have the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't know it was called fanfic. I just was like, oh, we're writing things. This is fun. My friends and I are putting each other in the the books. Like, it was great. So I wrote that, um, and it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, in high school, I was like, okay, well, that was fun, but I can't write about boy bands forever. What (laughs) What if I tried writing some other things? So I started experimenting with different kinds of stories that usually all had love in it in some capacity. Um, And I really wanted to be an author, but I just wasn't sure if that was, if I could make that into a career path. So I, when I went to college, I majored in journalism and in English. And I thought, well, I'll be a reporter and I can still write. But I always came back to fictional writing. Like I just would always like write stories just for fun. Like I did, um, you know, national, what is it? Nano, Nano Rhymo, National Novel Writing Month a few times, because it just was like a fun thing for me. And so I'm very happy I ended up not giving up basically (laughs) and and making room for it. (laughs) But you did, you did not write Charlie uh, during NaNoWriMo, did you? No, I didn't. No, I, I wish I had started her during that. It was like, I started this book during my lunch breaks at a job like I was just like what if I just started writing something and so see what happened I'm asking because the the election is also in November right that's uh when it starts so I kind of thought there are so many books that started with NaNoWriMo I know that would have been a good tie-in but it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) and were there any books with good fat uh representation as you were growing up you know they were hard to find. (laughs) So I don't think I stumbled across a really good book that featured a fat character until maybe I was in college. 
And that book was called um, My Big Fat Manifesto by Susan Vaught. So the main character, her name is Jamie. She has a newspaper column and she writes all about being fat. Um, So this book came out in, I want to say like 2008-ish. And I remember, first of all, being floored that they used the word fat in the title. I Mm -hmm. was (laughs) just so excited and I bought it immediately and it ended up being such a good story. And I reread it recently and it still holds up. So she's talking about what is it like being out in the world and existing while fat. And a lot of the things that were true in 2008 are still true now. (laughs) So I remember that book just finally reading that and feeling like, oh my God, there is someone out there who gets it. Somebody like (laughs) me who understands what it's like to be fat and to be okay with that. Could you give us some of your favorite ones, uh, books with fat or body positivity uh, representation from the last few years, or maybe just your favorites that you picked up uh, in college as well? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Julie Murphy. So I don't know if you've read Dumplin' or watched the Netflix movie, but I highly recommend both of those. (laughs) So she has Dumplin' and she also has one called Puddin'. And they're both wonderful in terms of like fat representation, especially, but body positivity also. Not a YA book, but Shrill by Lindy West is incredible. So she is so funny and writes about the fat acceptance movement. And um, her book was turned into a TV show that I think Hulu picked up. And it's so good and will actually make you laugh. Like, it's great. And I also just picked up Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson, which came out on February 2 as well. Um, And I'm really excited to read that one. So those I feel like are my top picks right now. (laughs) Great, because I kind of feel that it's also the kind of books that you have to search for because they will not pop up on your library or the bookstore right in the front, you know, like the... the... Yeah. It takes a while, I feel like, to find them. (laughs) So unless you actually actively search for them, it can be a bit more complicated. So thank you for the recs. It's always nice to have them. Oh, you're (laughs) welcome. What was the best thing about writing this book? So the writing process itself, so I'll do a best thing about writing it and the best thing about publishing it. So the best thing about writing it was getting to relive some of those exciting and fun moments from when I was a teenager. So the character of Brian is based on my real life husband. um, And I met him in high school. (laughs) So we started dating in high school. And so some of the small moments between Charlie and Brian are based off of things that happened between me and my husband. His name is Bill. And so he has a B name and Brian has a B name. And there's Charlie. And so that's a C name and I'm Crystal. So I like put little (laughs) Easter eggs in the book. And so there's this scene, and this is not a spoiler, where Brian um, brings Valentine's into the art class that he and Mm -hmm. Charlie have. They're just friends at the time. And he gives one to everybody. And it's just like this sweet gesture. And it means a lot to Charlie. And that's based on a real thing that my real husband did. And he, he brought Valentine's in for everybody and gave one to me. And we were just friends and I kept it because I thought it was so sweet. 
Aww. So it was really fun to like remember all of that, you know? <laughs> that is super sweet. Was it, we're not going to reveal because it would be a spoiler, but was it the same pun as in the book? No, it was a different oh. pun. But that one was so, a really good one. <laughs> thank you. So his, um, I actually have it here. It's the cover of it is like, is two dice. And mm-hmm. then the back says paradise, get it. Oh. <laughs> so <still> very cute <laughs> and very high school. That I is very that. cute. <laughs> so that was definitely my favorite part about writing it was just like remembering those fun moments. And then the best part so far about, you know, having the book out there in the world has been hearing from readers who have read the book and really feel like just feel so touched by Charlie's story and feel seen. And that is exactly why I wanted to write this. So every message from someone that says, oh my God, I am Charlie. Like that means so much to me. And that's exactly who I wrote this for. So that has been like, the reception has been the best. And I feel like that was my only goal. So now everything else that happens is just, you know, icing on the cake. <laughs> Do uh, Maybe I should have started with the more, most challenging things first, but here it goes. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are the most challenging things about writing in general, not just the, this book, but in general for you and also about publishing, about the publishing process? So for me, I have a hard time actually drafting. So getting that first draft of the book down, I struggle with. (laughs) And so it's like, I have like decision fatigue and it's like, you can make anything happen in a book, but it has to make sense. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to narrow down like, okay, you've got all these ideas and all these characters. Now what's actually going to make it in the final version? I have a hard time with that. (laughs) And I would say probably... The other big thing is really finding the time to do the writing. So Mm -hmm. I have a full-time job. I've mentioned I have a toddler, you know, we're in a pandemic. So (laughs) it's, it's tough to find the time to actually do the writing. Um, So it's like, if only there were more hours in the day. Right. So then, okay. The, probably the toughest thing about publishing is the waiting. So there's, so much waiting in publishing and you have to sit on news forever. So like there's these deadlines you have to hit and then you just like, you hurry up to get to the deadline and then you have to wait and it's good. It's fine. It's just a lot of waiting. (laughs) Bit of anxiety as well, I imagine. Yes. (laughs) When did you start? When did you finish uh, writing it? So I started writing it around 2015, 2016 and then finished writing it in 2018. So it took Mm -hmm. me a good two years, um, at least to get it all going. And then, you know, the latest, so I'm working on a second book now, and then that drafting process, yay, I know, (laughs) process was so much smaller and so much more condensed. (laughs) So So, um, do you have a writing routine? Because you just mentioned that you work full time. So do you have any writing routine, any time in the day where you work better? I wish I had a writing routine. (laughs) So I try really hard. Like I have this phenomenal group of writer friends and 
in theory, we meet every day <laughs> to write, but I will be frank and say, I haven't made it to a writing session in like over a month. So, <laughs> so right now it's really, I squeeze it in when I can. And yeah. I feel like, you know what, if you're juggling a lot and that's all you can do, then that's okay too. Some days are going to be better than others when it comes to writing. <laughs> what would you like to have known before you started writing and before publishing this book? So I went into publishing just completely unaware about the resources that actually exist out there. <laughs> and so I did a lot of Googling and reading like blogs and things like that. But I didn't realize that there's a whole community out there <laughs> who can help answer your questions. So I didn't, you know, I didn't search out podcasts like these. I didn't know to look for a community on Twitter. You know, like I just didn't know that those things were out there. So I wish I had because there is a wealth of information out there if you know where to look. So some of the amazing resources that I know about now are hashtag writing community on Twitter and all of those pitching events that happen on Twitter. So like um, pitch wars and DV pit, those happen. And I feel like it gives you such a strong sense of whether someone's interested in the book you're working on or your mm -hmm. idea. And I was like, wow, I wish I had known that <laughs> like a couple of years ago. Like that's amazing. And it connects you right to possible agents, which is phenomenal. Oh, because uh, I had seen, I have seen uh, Peach Wars on Twitter, yeah. but I thought it was more like a community thing that wouldn't really go to publishing. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's basically, I might, I might be getting some of the details wrong, but it's basically this idea where you, on a specific day, you tweet out the premise of your book. So my book is this book meets this And this is what happens. Like, you, you know, you condense it to 280 characters and then you use the hashtag. And then if you get a like on your tweet, that is an agent indicating that they are interested in the idea. And I believe then that means you can, you can email them like a partial manuscript. Oh, so it's wow. Yeah, it basically cuts down the query process for you. <laughs> That's amazing. I had no idea. Honestly, I yeah. thought it was just a little bit like you do with fan fiction. You kind of share, okay, I'm writing this uh, work in progress right now, but I had no idea it went as far as publishing. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's legit. And like, like six figure publishing deals have happened because of this. Like, it's crazy. So yeah, I wish I had known about that. Wow. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, and then, of course, places like Manuscript Wishlist help out. Like, there's a website where you can help filter by agents and figure out what kind of books do they want to read and things like that. So, you know, just in general, I wish I had known about some of these resources. And I hope that by sharing them, it helps others who are looking to get an agent and get published. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Going back to something that you already said, do you want to talk about your love for Beyonce? Oh God, yes. <laughs> okay. So I am obsessed with her. I just think she is completely perfect. And literally her self-titled album that came out 
I feel like was life-changing for me. Like she dropped a secret album, no promo. And we were all just like, we are not worthy of how incredible you are. And it was a visual album with like, with music. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And then she did it again with Lemonade. Like, I'm sorry, she is a queen. And (laughs) I just love everything. Like she has made feminism mainstream, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like her work ethic is phenomenal, maybe too good sometimes. <laughs> but I also love that she is like deeply private and takes breaks from her like from her work when she needs to and like spends time with her family. And I feel like, you know, that work-life balance, we don't see enough of that. And I wish we did. I also love that she's like, totally in control of her own narrative she's like I'm not going to give interviews unless I feel like giving interviews that is brilliant (laughs) so I just love her and I would do anything like I've seen her in concert a bunch of times she is absolutely worth the hype so if you ever get a chance to see her whenever it's safe to do so I highly recommend it (laughs) thank you I I I love hearing people talking about like things they love just (laughs) (laughs) The excitement is precious. (laughs) In the book, going back to the book, um, Charlie follows blogs and social media accounts which are focused on fat fashion and body positivity. I would like to talk a little bit about fashion because I know it's something you also like. How did your interest for fashion, especially fat fashion, uh, started? And what do you like the most about fashion? So I hated clothing shopping for most of my adolescent life Mm -hmm. because I had a hard time finding anything I could fit into that was also cute. So it was like either it fit me and it was hideous or it was really cute and it didn't fit me. Yeah. (laughs) So it took a while before I started getting into fat fashion just because I didn't know where to look. And, you know, when I was younger, we didn't really, we didn't have social media to be frank. We just didn't have the access to the resources that we do now. So I discovered fat fashion through a journaling community called Live Journal way back. Oh, yeah. In- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a community there called Fat Shinista. And it was all of these people from all over the world who were fat or plus size or whatever term that they wanted to use. And they were showing themselves wearing cute clothes. And they were we, like, we were exchanging resources. Like here's a store that I bought these clothes at and here's where you can get it too. And I was suddenly, it was like a new world was opened up for me. I was like, wait, I can find cute clothes in my size. This changes everything. <laughs> Yeah, because I grew up being thin, but then as I grew older, that mm-hmm. stopped being true. And then you kind of feel the shift that you can, you know how to dress yourself in a sense, you know what to go for because any shop is, you know, any shop yeah. is, is a shop that you can use. And then suddenly you're just like in a dressing room crying because you can't find nothing cute that fits you and you kind of have to relearn that you have to relearn to know how to dress yourself because I think we we also get too caught up on the sizes because you're like no I'm a size like I don't know I'm a size this so if you have an item and that doesn't fit you you don't try the next one because that's not your size and and do you want to talk about your experience about like going from maybe 
disliking shopping so much, being a chore to actually enjoying it and, and finding yeah. nice things. I feel like everything you said is ex exactly true to my experience as well. So I wasn't, I, I, I was never thin, so I never could go into any store, but, but it was almost like once I started giving up this idea that I'm a size X and just started trying on clothes to see how they fit me and how did I feel in them, that was really liberating for me. So I also like do a lot of online shopping and I've invested in like, um, what are those tape measures called where you can basically like put it around your yeah. body and get your measurements and using that and having like your actual measurements can help you out when you're looking for size charts online, because every store sizes differently and it's yeah. really frustrating. <laughs> so knowing your actual measurements can be more helpful than, than let's say, oh, I'm a size 14. Well, that may be true in one brand, but it may not be true in another brand. Yeah. And so once I stopped being so attached to a number or a letter, then all of a sudden it opened up like a world of possibility because now I'm looking at like the fit of something or like the, um, like the texture or the fabric. And so it's like, okay, well, this fabric is really breathable. So maybe I can squeeze into a size medium in this because it's so breathable versus like, well, this fabric has no give. So I might be a bigger size in that. And that's okay. It's like, we get so hung up on the number and the labels and not so much about what we look like and how we feel in it. And so once I, I switched over to that thought process and it, and I was like, you know what, who cares what the label says, as long as I like what I'm wearing and it looks cute and it makes me feel good, that's really what matters. And I feel like that caused a huge shift because now I felt like it opened up the doors and I could seek out interesting prints or styles and things. And I swear once I find like a cute outfit that I feel good in, it really does boost your confidence. It makes you feel so good about yourself. You know, it's like wearing a cape or something like or a yeah. suit of armor. Like suddenly you're just like unstoppable. <laughs> and you can focus on other things because you don't have to worry about finding clothes that fit you or. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, I will say like, it's a luxury to be able to find things that you feel cute in and that fit you and that you can afford. Right. Yeah. like three things really matter. And sometimes it's just about what you can afford and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, of course. And especially because they, they have a tendency very often to price higher for yeah. higher sizes. So it's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's so great that you found like a community that you could just relate to and, and share experiences that knew what you were feeling. Yes, exactly. And now there's so much more, I feel like. So there's like the, the, the hashtag fat fashion on Instagram and on TikTok have been phenomenal for introducing me to new stores and just like helping me rethink how to wear things. And so I hope that like for people who are looking for style inspiration, just like start with those, start with those hashtags, find accounts that you like, I personally love Gabby Fresh. I think she's fantastic. She's always rocking a bikini and she looks amazing. And um, I also love Nicolette Mason. Um, but there are so, so many out there that you can find and follow. And 
there's one account on TikTok, which I wish I knew the name off the top of my head, but she... We can, we can put it later if you find it, then okay, I can just add it to the show's notes. I'll add everything so that people don't have to kind of write it down very fast and they can go back to the perfect. show's notes. <laughs> yeah, so she basically uses um, Walmart finds. So she's like, I go to Walmart, I shop, and this is how I style everything. And she looks like a million bucks in every outfit. And so I'm like taking notes, watching her TikToks, like, okay, where did you get that? You got that at Walmart? Oh my God. Okay. So it's like, people are playing with these ideas of like, you don't have to spend so much money to find things that you love, right? Like you just have to maybe invest time or get a little creative with it. And then it pays off because you feel really confident <laughs> and you look so cute. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and do you have any body positivity accounts that uh, you would like to share or websites? Yeah. So I really love um, the body is not an apology. Yes. Sorry, I've my- read I've read the book for a book club. It was amazing. I haven't read the book yet. I have it's it amazing. on my to-read list. Okay, good. <laughs> but so there's also an Instagram account that goes with it. And they just post like radical self-love, body positive. Like it's beautiful. The imagery and the messages there. I love having that in my feed. I love the daily reminders and, you know, you're just scrolling through and you're looking at pictures of whatever celebrities and then having that like in the middle of it is like, yeah, I do love myself. I am going to be nice to myself today. (laughs) So I recommend that one to everybody. It's amazing because it's curious the the book talks about something very that I've been thinking about for years, which is why do we think we have the right to have a say on the way other people look? Why do you have to have that that opinion? You can just you can have an opinion. You can look at a person and maybe at first have one opinion, but you can think of it about it and start suppressing the bad things that you have learned as you were growing up. And the book focuses a lot on that. And it was just so lovely to read it. Okay, so go read this book and follow this account. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) You said you're working on a new book. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I can share a little bit about it. So the next book I'm working on is not related to Charlie, but it does feature a fat brown girl also. Um, And I will probably write all the books about fat characters just because there are so many stories to tell and they're all so different. So this next one is about a girl who um, is really into photography and she is kind of obsessed with Instagram. And so she cannot get a following on her own personal Instagram and she's like struggling to grow her followers and stuff. And yet she sees these other accounts that, you know, influence her accounts and sees them growing. And she doesn't understand like, why is that the case? And she has a sinking feeling. It's because she's fat and not conventionally attractive. So she does have a friend who she does find conventionally attractive, who's not on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So she decides, well, I'm just going to steal my friend's pictures and make an account and see what happens. No. I know. I know. It goes as well as you think it's going to (laughs) go. So It's a great premise, though. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, it gets to the heart of 
our social media obsession and like what's real and what's not real on the accounts that we see. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And it's supposed to come out um, in 2022. So keep your fingers another, another book to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's cool that you're also using your own knowledge as a social media manager. Exactly. Like, so I'm on social media all day because that is part of my day job. And then also it's obviously part of just my life and promoting the book and stuff. And so I just, I know how exhausted I am at the end of the day from like consuming all of these pictures and all the news and whatever. And I feel like it must be so exhausting to be a teenager right now. (laughs) So I just want to like give them a shout out. Like you're doing great. (laughs) Are there any events around the Fat Chance Charlie Vega planned for this year? Yeah, so I have a couple of events that are happening throughout the year. So I'm really excited to start doing some virtual library events um, and actually talk to like teenagers, which is who I wrote this book for. Um, And I'm hoping I can get to do some school visits too in the future. So I have my website is crystalwrote.com. And that is where I keep an up-to-date list of all the things I'll be doing. Um, and then, you know, if you want to follow me, I'm also at Crystal Rote and I post about all my events and things like that too. So is there where people can find you online on your website and on Instagram and on Twitter? And they all have the same uh, tag at Crystal Rote. Yes, Rote. they do. Come find me and follow and we'll chat and we can talk about Beyonce and clothes. Oh, great. <laughs> the last question. This is a question I ask everyone. An all-time favorite book and a book you would recommend right now. doesn't have to be one. It can okay. be, but it doesn't have to be one. <laughs> okay. It is a tough question, but my all-time favorite, I believe, is The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. It is just a, it's a quick read, but it is like a stunning book about just this girl and her trying to figure herself out in this world. And this was like the first book I read that I was like so moved by and I recommend it to everybody. And you should just, you just have to check it out. Like it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And Sandra is an incredible writer. Um, so that's one of my all-time faves. And then a book that I cannot stop recommending right now is Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Have you read this? Yes, last year. It's amazing. I love stories with ghosts. Like they're my favorite ones, urban fantasy. So yeah, just go, go off on it. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So it's so perfect. I loved everything about it. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it is like, it's magic and there's ghosts and there's love and pining. Like it just has everything. And obviously like the diversity in it is really important too. It's just, oh, the writing style is just like so heartbreaking and so beautiful and so funny. And I don't know how you can do all of those things at the same time, but this book is it. Like Aiden Thomas is like magic. I don't know. Go read it. (laughs) I really love that book. I actually watched it after, uh, sorry, I've read it after watching Coco. And that was like, wow, what a timing. I think it made (laughs) me even appreciate it more. Because I knew that more. One of my favorite movies. So yeah. yes, it's really, really good. Because the the whole feeling that you get from the movie, the magic of the the, the time of the year, it's there. It's amazing. I, I agree. I talked about it actually before on the on the podcast. So uh, 
So good taste we have. Yep. (laughs) Crystal, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. I love talking with you. I loved your book. And yeah, looking forward um, to talk about your new book next year, maybe. (laughs) Oh, yes, I would love to come back. This was so much fun. Thank you. It would be lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can access today's show's notes via my pod page, which you can find along with all of my social media links at linktree slash Karina Pereira. In there, you'll also find a link to a Story of Sorts playlist available on Libra.fm containing the audiobooks recommended by our guests, which will be updated as the show progresses. If you'd like to give Libra.fm a try, you can use the code Sorts at checkout to get two books for the price of one. This offer is valid for new Libra.fm members in the US and Canada. Libra.fm is an audiobook platform which allows you to buy audiobooks directly from an indie bookstore. Check them out. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting A Story of Sorts on Patreon. Patreon is a platform which allows you to contribute monthly to the podcast in exchange for extra content, such as early access to episodes, a shout-out at the end of an episode and on Instagram, and choosing a theme for me to talk about on the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash astoryofsorts. I'd also be very grateful if you would simply leave a review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. As usual, I'll be back in two weeks with a new interview. I'll talk to you then, and thank you for listening.